0: Please feel free to follow and like Romantic Truth on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Romantic Truth. You may also listen to the podcast on Anchor.fm slash Romantic Truth. Now, here is your host, Jocelyn.
1: Hi, everyone. Jocelyn with you here. Romantic Truth, Las Vegas. Hope everyone's doing well. Hey, folks. Um. Just want to let you know about some slight changes that are going to take place with the show. One of them being that um, even though I have uh, a volunteer crew of two people that help me on occasion, uh, Natalie Brunswick and Gina Aragon, what I've decided to do was, and I appreciate their kindness, their generosity and time. And here's, here's what I'm getting at, folks. Um... Sometimes people are very nice to you, genuine people, and um, I really appreciate them. But the one thing I was trying to convey to them today was, I want them to not get so preoccupied with the show and to, you know, don't forget that they have a life. And of course, they, you know, kind of shouted me down and said, hey, you know, we're doing this because we love you. I appreciate that. But I don't want them to also um, forget that they have to have, you know, time to themselves, family, friends, that kind of thing, because both of them have um, gone far up and beyond what they, you know, would do or even what I've asked of them, because I've asked very minimal of them out of consideration. Now, the reason why I'm so considerate with people is because sometimes we forget that some of the very things we do for people we take for granted and um, well I should rephrase that the things that people do for us we take for granted and you know sometimes it's always good to acknowledge when a person has assisted you or helped you because you don't want to be ungrateful thankless or someone that feels entitled sometimes we forget that and that goes as far as your listeners too i really appreciate you because there are other things you could be doing with your life besides listening to the show and it's very important to me and and let me tell you um an experience i had yesterday that kind of enhanced this perception that i have i was listening to a live yesterday and this person had like close to four thousand people in their live. it was huge really huge And the debate was about the high-value man, of course. And we're going to talk about that today. And we're going to put this to bed finally. Because I have the numbers and the stats. And we're going to lay that lamb to sleep for a while. Because a few of you are still writing in about that. But anyway, the one thing that I listened for was an acknowledgement of the audience. From the host. And the only thing I got was, you MFs, this, you MFs, that, you N word, this, you N word, that. And they were talking to the audience in that way. And the only reason why those people were there is the shock value of the show. You see, when I first got into radio, when I was taking classes at Columbia School of Broadcast. My instructor told me, he said, the one thing you don't want to do is just to have shock value for the hell of it. You need to be you. You're not there to try to get... They didn't have likes abuse at that time, but the ratings ratings will come if you're good at what you do. And that was very true. And I think a lot of times what happens, we get beside ourselves, and sometimes we don't really pinch ourselves to see exactly where we are. Last night, I took a look at the uh, audience data analytics and some of the trends on what's actually happening with podcasts. Now, the most popular podcasts, believe it or not, are based in comedy. The average plays per individual listener is four plays per episode. Right now, we're at about five. We've gone up to six. We've been as high as 16. So I appreciate you for that as well. As far as listeners, we average about a thousand new listeners a month. And I don't take that for granted at all. And, you know, the one thing that I'm going to do, I'm going to start becoming more interactive in the sense that I'm going to ensure that more of the listeners of the show have a chance to give us feedback. And so I'll be opening up questions and polls on the Spotify platform as well. So you'll be able to interact as well. And we're gonna do it that way. The reason why I didn't wanna do like lives all the time with open comments and that kind of thing has a lot to do with what I experienced last night. There was one guest on the show, that, on the panel. There were like 20 people on the panel. So you couldn't really focus on any one conversation or any one view because everybody was talking over each other and people were cussing each other out. And uh, and this person is very popular on the internet. But anything, anyway, what happened was that while this was going on, this one person started to speak then they went silent and I mean silent for about three to five minutes and everybody else was talking and and babbling and so they asked the person well what was the point you were trying to make and the person had forgot their point they said well no I was just looking at some of the comments and this person was so focused on the comments that of course he took the topic completely off from high value man They started talking about baby daddy, child support. And then before you know it, it got down to personal attacks on people. So it delineated immensely. Now, there are a lot of people out there that are doing this, not out of passion, but passion for money. Not a passion for quality. I can't tell you how many hours I spend on the show putting it together. In fact, after I finish doing this podcast, guess what's going to happen? I'm gonna start production on the next one. In some cases, I've been able to do one month of programming within about seven days. That includes editing topics and so forth. I have plenty of topics to talk about. That's never a problem. And some of them, yes, you may you know find relevant, others you may not. Still doesn't mean they don't need to be addressed, because that's one of the reasons why. I don't have sponsors now because i didn't want it to be where they were just going to follow the measuring line and wherever people's sentiments were that's the topic of the day or that's what we talked about because i think it's unfair and unjust to the listener and sometimes as hosts as producers we forget that i'm thankful that i have a radio background and television background because this helps me out immensely over what i witnessed last night because in many cases you have people that have never been recognized before and this is their sense of self-aggrandizement one thing that i realized when i first got into broadcasting was that i did it out of a passion to learn and explore and have other people go on the journey with me to learn and explore because i think it's a lot more fun that way it's like we're watching a movie together And true enough, I give my opinion, but I'm sure you have your own. Many of you express them by your messages and by your emails, and I appreciate that. keep doing it. So in this way, we go through this together. As I told you, at every podcast that I've done, in some way or form to let you know that I'm still learning just like you are when it comes down to the human condition. This is the reason why I don't call myself a coach, guru, or anything like that. Even though on Facebook, the only category that classifies my show is dating coach, which I'm not. I'm not a relationship counselor. I always refer you to the professionals because I believe firmly if you have a problem, you should get the best help possible. You know, you have so many people now that are going into hematopathy. Damn, I think I got it right. I'm to... Be, uh, forget it. <laughs> um, you know what I'm talking about. Home remedies. <laughs> Tongue tied, big time. And um, sometimes you need to go to the doctor to find out what it is, because you could totally have the wrong diagnosis, prognosis, and everything else. This is the reason why, if your situation is too complex, I always refer you to professionals to help you. We deal with problems as you normally would, as like talking to your neighbor, your friend, your family member. And the reason why we do this is to have you think before you love. That's the motto of the show, is to benefit you. Now, the largest demographic for this type of uh, platform for the podcast, believe it or not, is from ages 13 to 17. That's the largest growing demographic, by and far. But the subject matter I talk about on this show is for adults. Those are still children, no matter how they look at it, no matter how sophisticated they are. The reason why I've done this is because we have a lot of poor parents out there. I'm not talking financial poverty. I'm talking about poverty when it comes down to the quality of parenting and the child will listen to something or see something and swear up and down it's the entity's fault and not that of the parent to maybe spend more time with the kid if you look at what has happened now with Facebook, Instagram and all the rest of these other social media platforms parents are suing them because it's supposed to be family friendly However, we have to face some facts here. If you're allowing anyone to come in, expect anything. If there's no filter. And that's the thing. Now, do I filter out all the people that are under the age of 18? Hell no. I can't control who listens to the show, but I do give them a warning about the content of the show. And the reason why I do that, believe it or not, it's more for the parents than really the kids. Because a lot of the kids, the subject matter I'm talking about, they can't relate to. I don't have a mortgage. I don't have a wife. I don't have a girlfriend. I'm not in a serious relationship. So they can't relate. So the topic by the very nature. Filters them out. That's the reason why my numbers are so low from zero to 17. I don't mind that. 18 to 60 plus is what we look for. Because the reason being, these are going to be the most crucial decisions you make in life when it comes down to relationships, dealing with people, dealing with a person that's going to have access to your financial resources, access to your feelings, access to your family. Pretty much, you're going to open your wallet to them, and ladies, you're going to open your purses to him. And so, therefore, a level of understanding and mutual respect has to take place. And a lot of times people get into relationships and they really don't know what to look for. Now, as you already know, I've been out on the dating scene for 30 plus years. I know what's out there. I know the things to look for and not to look for. And when you're going through a selective process, just for the sake of having someone in your life and then going on and telling people how wonderful your relationship is and life is, it's bullshit. You have problems just like everyone else does. But when you are disingenuous and come across as if everything's so pristine in your life, and your partner's life, it gives people a misconception. You don't have to be all negative either. But you do have to be fair and real. And those are the two things that I focus on. Because a lot of times what happens, as I tell you, people blow smoke up your ass with many of these dating gurus, life coaches, and so forth. I've heard them. Plenty of them. And what you have to understand is this. Each of you have your own challenges to deal with in different ways. So can I sit here and say one size fits all? No, I can't. I can relate to my experience your experiences individually some of you share them with us and then when you share them we'll give you my opinion of it. but by the same token you also have an opinion of your own you can also seek out counseling if it's more severe than what i talk about now that's the security team in the background the reason why they're barking is because they're supposed to get treats now Here's the other thing we have to think about as well. With this said, we have to look at what are you bringing going forward into a relationship? In other words, is it suiting you? Is dating suiting you? Is a relationship, would that be the best thing for you? Are you just getting in it for some other reason? Financial reasons. Convenience. Loneliness. One thing that I found over the years when it comes down to dating is that usually if there's one specific reason why you want to date somebody and usually it's loneliness, you may need to rethink the reason why you're starting to date. should be more than one reason. And this a lot of times trip people up because a lot of times it's because of loneliness. And it's like being hungry. I'll make a parallel to that. You know, sometimes when you're starving and you want to order all this food, then you go and you get it. The person's interested in you now. However, you started the relationship. Guess what you don't want to do? You're full, you don't feel like finishing it. And so you're trying to push the relationship away. You're trying to push yourself away from the table. And some people approach it like that, where it's like an urge at one moment. And then before you know it, nah, thanks, but no thanks. I'm I'm, I'm okay, I'm good. But you gotta remember you're dealing with other people's feelings. And they may feel differently than you. And now you pique their interest you've now consumed some of their time and emotions and it's harder for them to kind of get back in the groove to say wait wait a minute Um, I just can't turn my feelings off like that and so these are things that you have to consider how you impact other people that's going to be very important because as you go along you'll start to see a pattern of behavior One thing I used to always notice when I'd be out there dating, when I would hear a person say about how much they hated their ex, and it was always every relationship ended in tragedy, they naturally would want me to focus on them being the victim. I wouldn't. I looked at them more as the adversary on several levels. One, Why are you choosing people that you wind up in relationships that end tragically? Two, why do you stay in them? Three, what is your selection process? And four, why have you now made this a routine, a pattern that you go through and then tell everyone else how bad your ex was without focusing on your own responsibilities and your own shortcomings in the relationship? A lot of people don't like doing that. You know, when I would um, have to end a relationship or something of that sort and I had messed up, I would tell my partner I've messed up. Even some of my exes that have left messages on the show. Some of them admitted they messed up when they broke up with me. And then others forgive me for me messing up. And I'll tell you on the show. i've messed up in past relationships i have no qualms about that because of the fact that guess what as long as i own it i know i can do better because i learned from it so you have a lot of people in denial they want to be teflon because their feelings are so skin deep that if they have to be accountable for anything they consider it an encroachment on their feelings and therefore they're ready to put up their fist and fight metaphorically so as i tell you you have to approach it every relationship differently because you don't know the circumstances in which you're dealing with again character behavior situation results you have the X Factor. Those are the things that you might want to look at when assessing a partner. What will be the situation you'll be introduced to? Their current state of mind, where they are now, that's the result of whatever they've gone through in that situation. And their behavior led to the situation which led to the result. Their character led to the behavior, to the situation, to the result. That doesn't always have to be negative. That's the thing I want you to understand. Because what we like to do is we like to go, oh, don't judge me, or in some sense, make it feel like it's an indictment on them. No, we're only human. We can make mistakes. Who said we could? But see, a lot of you are bound to try to be perfect based on religion, based on criticism, by people that may, may be in a position where you could actually criticize them more than they could criticize you because you're only dealing with something on the surface. You'll find these people have a lot of confirmation bias and they're going to always point the finger and tell you what you did wrong because they want to be right. Doesn't necessarily mean they're always right. It means they believe that they're right and there's a big distinction because with a belief you have to prove nothing the only thing you have to do is believe it and anything that falls in your column of being right that you perceive it as being right you'll take it to the grave whether it's an article on wikipedia to prove a point which anybody can edit wikipedia don't you have an account Or if it's a situation where something is factual and empirical evidence have proven it to be a fact, meaning that it could be practiced over and over again and you will get the same result without any deviation. That's when your feelings are taken out of it and that's when the facts are put in it. You can have your own feelings, as one person said, but you can't have your own facts. That's just the way it goes. And some people don't like those facts, like some of the facts that I'm going to reveal on this show about the high value man. Because it goes against the grain of your confirmation bias, your belief that this magical guy exists in vast numbers and that it's all milk, honey, and golden streets. And it's not. The reality of it is. Many of you have the power to make yourself happy. And you've given up that power in pursuit of something else that will make you happy, such as money, a man or a woman. You got to find that happiness in yourselves first. You know, that's one thing that I learned over the years, because there was a point where I started out thinking that happiness was in someone else. And then I learned that wasn't the case. It had to start intrinsically. And sometimes we forget that. Because what we radiate out from us is what we usually will receive back in kind. So if you have a negative disposition and a bad attitude, nine times out of ten, you're going to find people that are going to try to exploit that because they look at that as a challenge as opposed to something that's a deterrent. You know, it's like the death penalty that we have in the criminal justice system. Even though we have it, people still commit horrendous crimes. They don't give a damn about it because they're in their feelings. They're in their beliefs. Well, the same holds true when it comes to people pursuing relationships sometimes. They're in their feelings. They're in their beliefs. And it's kind of hard to break that because they don't want it broken. They like things the way they are. And you'll run across these people with this confirmation bias that will say something to the effect of my way of the highway. And the way they qualify it on the back end, again, cognitive dissonance. My escape mechanism is, you're going to bring up something that I don't want to hear, and this is a good time for me to flee, because if I don't flee from the conversation, that means that I'll contradict myself, because what you're saying makes sense, I don't want to make sense, I want to feel senseless, and this is the reason why some people do this, because if there's something that they cannot refute they're going to flee or they're going to say this stupid cliche I always hear let's agree to disagree that's when you know you've said something factual that they know if they agree with you they'll be a hypocrite that's more of an emotional appeal than it is a logical one that's the reason why they say it because they know you're right. But see, they don't want to be proven wrong. That's the tug of war that many people have in relationships. Or they will tell you something like, that's your truth. Oh, I have people that run into the show and tell me the romantic truth. That's your truth. But here's the thing. If it was my truth, guess what I'm trying to do with you? I'd be trying to persuade you to do something. I'm not, I'm asking you to think see that's the difference because these people are always in conflict and they feel as though they have to win every battle and this is the reason why many of them lose relationships because they're so involved in the battle of winning and a lot of them lose the war because they want to be right that's the reason why you see a lot of people that are single. A good possibility is you're running into them and as soon as you start talking to them you start to realize why they're saying how many of you have done that? Within the first 15 minutes of conversation you're like, whoa, okay. Yeah, I see why you're by yourself. Because they feel as though the world should run on their timeline and on their clock. This is the reason why, folks, you know, before you go on a date sometimes, that person may give you their social media information. You might want to take a look at some of their posts. It will give you an outline of the way they think sometimes and the way they believe. Because I make that a point. When I see that, I read the post. I just don't go by their profile. If they'll say, oh, yeah, you know, uh, friend me on Facebook, friend me on Twitter, I I do it. Then I go and take a look and say, oh, okay, you're into that. Yeah, well, I know we'll come out better more or less being friends. So therefore, I'm going to avoid asking you out on a date. Now, we'll probably go and have coffee or something like that. But as far as a relationship, nope. This is one reason why a lot of people. Don't like sharing their social media profiles with potential partners. You'll figure them out too quickly. And of course, we always have to deal with the threat of catfishing. And that in itself is a whole topic of conversation. So, in the next segment, we're going to hop into our subject matter about defining the high value man from the financial perspective. All right, folks, let's get to the hard numbers here and finally close this chapter about the high value man, HVM, shall we? Now we're gonna go with data from 2022 tax filings only. Now, just to give you a thumbnail, total taxpayers for that particular year was 165,774,000 people that paid taxes. That includes households, that includes individuals, that includes families. That's everybody that paid taxes for that year. Now, the estimated U.S. population in 2022 was estimated at 332,403,450 people. You could do the math and do the subtraction, and what you would have is the remainder of those folks are either on fixed income, social security, not working with no income at all, or making less than the required tax filing amount, or maybe even not paying taxes. And now one thing let me stress here. There's always this uh, conspiracy theory that there are a whole bunch of people walking around with a whole bunch of money stashed away different places. True enough, that could be the case, but more likely than not. Money has a horrible shelf life when it's exposed to humidity, or different environments where it just dries out or the rats may eat it. But let's carry on here. Now, so what that comes down to, that 166 million people that pay taxes, only 34.4% of them made over $100,000 a year. That's it. Now, let's look at the numbers here. That comes down to 57,021,256 people. Now, my sources, the U.S. Census Bureau, Black Demographics, the Pew Research Foundation, And also, let's see who has the IRS and Zipperia. So we had several resources where I got this information from because I wanted to make sure that it was unbiased. Now let's look at households. Now households, we're talking about families. We're going to take that 57 million number and we're going to equate that to 100% because that will be that 34.4%. We're going to now make that 100% of the people that we're talking about in this specific example. Now, households, when it comes to white households, 35% are 19,959,190 households. Fall into that era of making over $100,000 a year. When it comes to African American, at 20%, which was 11,405,251 that made over $100,000 a year. This includes your entertainers, your athletes, you name it, that made over $100,000 a year that has families. These are groups that only have families. We're not talking about individuals yet. Latino and Hispanic households, 25%. 14,256,564. Again, households that made over $100,000 a year. Other households, 2%. the figure is 1,140,525. This includes Asians, Pacific Islanders, other individuals of different groups. Now, when we talk about single men, single women, transgender people, you name it, that are single that file their taxes in 2022. This includes single females, white, black, doesn't matter, single males, no matter what race. That came to 18%. Now, this percentile, this 18th percentile, this is where that high-value man resides, that single that we talk about. He resides in a percentage of this 18%. So what this comes down to That means that the total population of these people comes down to 10,264,200. I mean, let me start again 10,264,027 people. That's it. That's about the population of New York City, roughly. Or about maybe two million less than Los Angeles was at its peak. That's not a lot of people. When you include the groups of people in it. And I can tell you right now, the largest group in this group that we're talking about, this 18% segment, are going to be single white males. Just by the numbers. Guess who's going to be one of the smallest percentage groups in this, single black males. Now, I don't have it broken down any lower than this, but just by the sheer numbers, this is what you're dealing with. What I'm getting at, ladies, is this. You got a snowball chance in hell of actually finding a high-value man in this category that's going to be in the same circles you're in unless you're in that circle theory. See, the I know the dream is to uh, <clears throat> doll yourselves up and go out there and find a high-value man. But you've got to re- remember now how n- limited the numbers are. You know, it's the equivalent of a kid talking about he want to be in the NFL. Not for long. I mean, National Football League, of course. But we have to be realistic. Now, when it comes to African Americans, 53% of the population of African Americans are that 40 million plus group make less than $50,000 a year. Over half make less than 50000 a year. And roughly, that comes to about 21,253,000 people. Now, the other thing we have to look at when it comes to households that make under $25,000 per year. And that's at 28.22%. That makes less than 25K per year. Now, these are just numbers that you're going to have to understand that the reality is this is a small that you have to choose from. Now, also keep in mind, when you refer to a high-value man, it's subjective. Some women refer to a high-value man as someone that has a lot of stock options put away, uh, money in real estate, those kind of things. In other words, something that's an asset that has to be converted into cash. Doesn't mean that he's rich means he has all those things. However, what happens if the market goes south? He can lose considerably. Look at what happened to uh, Elon Musk with Twitter. He was the wealthiest man in the world until he bought Twitter. Now who's the wealthiest man? The CEO of LVMH, Louis Vuitton Mouet Hennessy. he's worth something like 245 billion dollars by the way i've heard this as well there are no trillionaires walking around the reason why they're not walking around as trillionaires countries have rules and laws on how much money they're going to print the more money a country prints the lesser its value you see the situation now with the Fed raising interest rates is because they were cut immensely for many years, a zero discount rate, meaning that banks would go to the Federal Reserve to borrow money. They didn't have to pay any interest back during the Obama years and on for many years until Trump. And the reason being was, and even through Trump as a matter of fact, the reason being was that they were still trying to get the economy back where it needed to be so they went to save the banking industry true enough and the banks could make their money to be healthy again by getting money from the government at 0% interest and charging you 19 to 29 on credit cards and automobiles so they had to fatten them up a bit well the banks got fattened up and realized okay you know what we can't fuck up again because if we do guess what's going to happen the government's going to say no. Now, the reason why this fattening up had to take place the way it did was because the government did not put enough money into the economy through the Federal Reserve in order to avoid the long U-shaped recovery we had. It was called a love recovery. reason why, and I'm talking back in 2008, you look at the Europe and the U.K., what happened? The economy went down immensely, then it leveled out like a nail. In the United States, what we did, unfortunately, we put only a little bit over $700 billion in the economy, thinking that was going to help for the banks. It was an inadequate and insufficient amount. We needed about $3.5 trillion. Well, the government wasn't going to spend that kind of money. They weren't going to print that kind of money, have it printed up by the Federal Reserve. So what they decided to do was, we'll just do this. Well, the mindset was, initially, we'll just use this in order to shore up the banks that were in trouble. And the rest of the banks could go and use internal discipline in order to make sure that they didn't follow suit with the rest of the banks. The only problem was, there was a lot of... Uh, how could I best say it, um, distrust among some people that was dealing with the administration, mainly the Bush administration at the time, and financial institutions, one particular financial institution, Lehman Brothers. And so therefore, by letting that institution fail, things cascaded. Bear Stearns, of course. They could have really nicked this in the bud if they'd have put the money in early enough without any personal prejudices from people who had worked together in the past and were now adversaries. I won't go into more detail than that, but what happened, it created a long recovery. And so the bank's didn't have to worry so much about being capitalized. What they did have to worry about was getting back to where they were pretty uh, stable again. Money was available from the Fed and they were able to start lending. Now, here's the thing. With these interest rates going up now, This is the price we paid for 2008. And now we're having to raise interest rates in order to slow down the economy. So yes, as a result, banks will fail. Will we have contagion like we did before? Highly unlikely. Because the banks are far more disciplined now. And one thing they're not doing Remember how they had that heyday in real estate back in 2003 and going forward after 9-11? Many of the banks are hanging on to those properties. They're leasing them out. And in turn, there's a shortage. People want to buy houses. Well, guess what? Prices have gone up, haven't they? There's a shortage of inventory for homes. Because the banks are playing it safe. They know they're not going to be bailed out if they go too overboard with this. So what they've decided to do was, hey, let's get a management company and lease these homes as opposed to selling them. And when they sell them now, they're selling them at a premium because, of course, it's shooting the prices up. Short supply, high demand, prices go up. So now what the banks are trying to do, what the Federal Reserve is trying to do to slow down the economy, raise interest rates, and the banks will become more prudent when it comes to making loans. People don't qualify for the loans as much now. Slows things down. That's what they want to do. As a side effect of it, layoffs will ensue in certain industries. This is expected. This is not something that's, oh my God, this is expected. Because this is the way it's supposed to happen. It's happened this way in the past. Now, what does this mean overall for you as a consumer? You're going to pay higher prices for housing, auto loans, credit cards, those kind of things. Because what they want you to do is to eventually quit borrowing money. So things will kind of come into balance. And then once they've reached that equilibrium and jobs go back to where they're supposed to be, things are balanced then we'll be out of the threat. But see, the problem with inflation in general is just what it is. Inflated prices. When you look at countries like Venezuela or countries like Zimbabwe, years ago or even countries like for instance uh thailand back in the 80s a lot of these countries think they could get out of their financial dire straits by printing more money but what actually happens is the more you print the less value it is you look at what happened after world war ii in Ger- i mean world war one in germany a million deutschmarks to buy a loaf of bread so what that means is that since the value has decreased it's easier for you to become richer so to speak but in essence what has happened is it's the value of the dollar that's changed Now, the other thing you have to realize, too, the government's not stupid. Because, see, what you got to remember is every dollar that's issued is a notes payable that the government would have to pay. So it's something that could be cashed in. That's the reason why these banks don't want to run on a bank. Because many of them don't have enough money to pay out the depositors. That's the reason why you have insurance. FDLIC. And we were stuck with a serious problem because we had to make a moral judgment. Who should be reimbursed? Should it be the greedy investors or should it be the people who are more conservative using pension funds in order to make a few dollars on the market? See, the problem in 2003 all the way until 2008 was that these homes were grossly overvalued. People were banking on the market price, not the intrinsic value of of the home. So many of you ladies look at men sometimes as a high value man based on his market value, not his intrinsic value. Big difference. Huge difference. If his wealth is tied up into one thing and that one thing fails, would he still be considered high value if it fell below $100,000? These are things you have to look at and think about. An intrinsic value, what is that? That means he has the cash on hand At a given time. And you have some of these people, as I told you before, about the lady who had the uh, thing that I listened in on. Talking about the way she defined a high value man was $300,000 a year for three years prior to meeting the man. Making sure he's handsome and groomed. Making sure he had a constituency. And making sure he had verifiable wealth. Ladies, if this your criteria for a man, you don't deserve a good one. You deserve a lifestyle, which is different than having a man. And that lifestyle exposes you to everything that you probably don't want in a relationship because you're not looking for a quality of a man you're looking for the quantity of it think about those girls that go over to Dubai thinking they're going to hit it rich because the guy's paying for her flight over there and is going to give her $40,000 she doesn't know what she's going to be exposed to when she gets there and a lot of the women have disclosed what they were exposed to on TikTok and on uh, YouTube not so pleasant Being treated like a second class citizen in many ways. Among some of the unmentionable things they did do to you in order to demean you. But you got to remember, you were going after the high value man, you were going after the money. This is the reason why these men stay away from you. This is the reason why these men avoid you. Avoid venues where you could be in. And when you try to snake your way into those venues, a lot of times they see an LQW. Low quality woman. That's their biggest fear. And we hear a lot of aspirational women who have several kids by several different men. And now all of a sudden they're getting serious. They're in their early, to mid-30s. And now they're talking about going back to school. They're talking about how they could be a good wife. And not realize that the way men look at women from their perspective is that, hey, in your prime, you've had your kids with the guy that was, when you were at your best. So why should I get Second rate talent. Playing the physical game, that's what they look at. You know, it's funny. A friend of mine I told you about who had the 600,000 plus that he inherited, and he always wore plain clothes and drove this Honda Accord one thing he used to always tell me I thought it was kind of interesting he would tell me I'm glad I'm not you he says you're more charismatic than I am more gregarious he says but here's the thing he says you have to deal with women thinking that you have all of this he says now you do have Some pretty good resources. But I would never want to be in your shoes. He says, I have the money. And more than likely, I'm going to be ignored by most of the women. He said, but what I do like about it is the fact that I have peace of mind. You don't. And he was right. He was absolutely right. He was absolutely right. That's the reason why ladies, these guys wearing all this gold and these diamonds and all this shit. You got to ask yourselves, why is he wearing his wealth? Why isn't his money making money for him? But he has to display it because he's not used to it. He has to display it in order to have an Identity. You know, the wealthiest man, black man in America, most people don't even know him. He's not an athlete. In fact, he's not even a celebrity. He's a gentleman that invested in a firm down in Dallas. Well down in Texas. I'm not sure if it was Dallas. And he's worth about 9. I think eight billion now. But a lot of you ladies are hung up on a Jay-Z, Puff Daddy, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, and Oprah Winfrey. Tyler Perry Brianna not to take anything away from any of those people in their accomplishment but guess what those are low-hanging billionaires meaning that each of them that I mentioned make less than three billion dollars or worth that much Not to take anything away from them, because I'm not a billionaire. But what I'm pointing out to you is this. If you're going to do something right, and you want the best, maybe six figures is not high enough. (laughs) I'm just saying, in general, think about it. $100,000 $100,000 is roommate money in Los Angeles and New York. Let's face it. Now in Mississippi and Tennessee, that may mean some money. Louisiana. It all depends on the region and how you perceive it. In Monte Carlo, $100,000 a year is poverty. <laughs> I think, hell, you got to have $10 million just to move there. Now, a lot of people seek status in life for some sort of recognition, some sort of uh, milestone is to signify that they have made it. And that's a personal type of uh, vendetta. But what we have to also understand too, is that if our existence is based on that alone, it's kind of empty. And what happens with some successful people? Many of them wind up feeling like they're isolated, they're alone. And they may feel as though the only people they can identify with are people on their same level. And when they try to go and go back to where they came from, their roots, the people that they grew up with, well, they might have a different. Type of reception. What are you doing here? Why are you coming back? You're all highfalutin. You got this going on. You got that going on. And so you'll deal with uh, some levels of envy. Resentment. Jealousy. And you're going to also deal with individuals that may feel entitled. That should be me. I don't know how you got that. don't deserve it and this is all subjective true enough but there are some people that honestly believe that what another person has acquired through their hard work and effort should be freely given away to others because after all they weren't fortunate enough to work as hard or get what that other person has now it's a sad commentary but there are some people that actually feel as though they should be entitled to your success because after all they couldn't or didn't put forth the effort but there should be some sense of fairness in life now people who live by this mantra you have to realize they do this in order to spread guilt and that guilt is what actually is used in order to get them ahead in life. I just make this person feel guilty about their success. And therefore, I should be able to go forward and enjoy life at their expense. Um, Years ago, and I've talked about this before, there was a guy uh, by the name of Bison. Got his last name. He was a pro basketball player for the Denver Nuggets, and he had a brother that he used to constantly um, have to give money to. And he was trying to help his family member out, but it seemed like he would just get the money, go through it, and ask for more. Oprah Winfrey talked about this in a situation that he was she was faced with years ago as well. Now. The problem for many people is that they may want something, but they may not want to work for it or put forth any risk or effort to get it. This is the entitlement mindset that you also see sometimes with criminals. Well, you know, I'm not smart enough to go and earn the money but I'm smart enough to pull a gun in a bank and try to take it. That's the way they look at it. But see, you got to remember, they're also depending on somebody else's intellect in order to use the weapon in order to try to get the resources. In other words, if the person had not made the gun, that person wouldn't have any other tool in order to come there and make that demand. he's gonna do? Show up at the banquet of rock, a club. And so you have that situation. Now, the reason why I bring something like this up is because you ladies have been writing in about guys that you are finding who feel sorry for themselves. And it's very hard for you to have compassion for them. You have condemnation of anything. And these guys don't realize that they have a certain role that they have to play as a man. And sadly, some guys think that, you know, hell after all, why should the man pay? women have paid women have well why should man pay because women have benefited so long from men paying out i.e the guy who feels as though he's entitled to lie to you and say that he doesn't have any money or forgot his wallet after you ordered the food at the restaurant so it kind of cornered you in the pain or a situation where the guy tells you he doesn't have a place to stay because he's pursuing a music career or something of that sort with no ambition of working for anyone else because he looks at it from a standpoint, my dream is more important than the reality or the practicality of life. And this comes in a conflict with many women and their philosophies about man. And a lot of these young men don't realize this and they don't appreciate it because they're under the impression that these women will have the understanding and compassion like mama did i.e. this is the reason why a lot of women do not date mama's boys because of this because it gets to a point where the woman is threatened she's like well hell you know if things get tough he just run back home to his mama to live and then leave me with the child leave me with the responsibility because a lot of times these women are living in the reality of the relationship and the guy is living in the delusion of one it goes both ways Because some women are delusional in the sense that they think that having a child with a man is going to all of a sudden make him responsible, make him caring, and make him be more attentive. doesn't work that way. That has to come from the gentleman from the gate. He has to have that in him before he gets with you, before he sleeps with you. Ladies, you're not going to reform him or get that after you have had a child with him. Is not going to be a come to Jesus moment that's going to shock him into reality. If he was irresponsible when he laid down with you, he's going to be irresponsible when he gets up. That's not going to change. He will tell you anything you need to hear in order to get you horizontal. So you have to think about these things. Now, The other thing, too, when a man realizes, ladies, that you're after only money or a lifestyle, he's going to make sure that you are treated poorly. Because it's obvious what you want. It's the same thing like when you realize that a man only wants you for sex. You know how you treat him poorly and you let him know that up front, hey, you ain't getting in between these legs. Well, the man is saying, you're not getting in my wallet. But he knows he has a few crumbs that he has to throw to you to make you think that you're going to get something. But that's bait to sleep with you. Trust me, the crumbs and the trinkets that he's giving you are things he can afford to throw away. Because that's bait to get you into the trap. Now, Another thing so uh, you need to also look at as well, especially you younger ladies. You get frustrated at home. You got a new boyfriend. He's a little bit older. He has a good job. So you think. And now you want to leave home. You better not take your ass out of that house without having some skill sets yourself. And I don't mean domestic skill sets such as cooking, cleaning, and ironing. I'm talking about an education, a career that you're starting. This is how a lot of you mess up your lives. I have seen women mess up their lives even after that is done. I was listening to one lady on TikTok. She was talking about her experience. She got married. She and her husband were struggling. He was in the military. She went back at her degree. Still focused on his career, he had to travel. She traveled with him. While she was overseas, she went on and got a secondary degree, went on and got an advanced degree, another advanced degree, well, her first one. And then he moves back to the States. She's following his military career. And she's going on and at this point, she's helping him get his bachelor's in degree of science. He gets a degree, still working on the job. She goes back, gets another advanced degree so that she can teach. Now, mind you, her career is being spotted because she has to relocate so many times. She's not having money taken out of her check for things such as Social Security. She's not investing regularly in her 401k because she's, following his career. He retires from the Army, finally. She can only find a job as a teacher that's paying her far less than she should really be making with their credentials. But she settles for this. She's helping him. He gets through his bachelor's and gets a science degree, lands a great job. That's paying him a pretty good amount of money, way more than she's making. Meanwhile, he decides to meet another woman that's on his financial level. Tells her, relationship's done. I'm going on with this other woman. Now, his woman has had children with him, supported him. And she's left with almost nothing, starting back from square one. In a community that's not paying her, what she's worth, first of all. And having to make sure that his child support and his alimony kicks in to help her. Ladies, you don't want to be that woman. If you happen to marry a guy in the military, remember his career is going to come first. And he has no control over his duty station. So if you're going to be flexible like that, you might want to lower your expectations unless you can find a career move or a match that will correlate with his career. When I was in Okinawa, Japan, there was a Japanese American Marine there. His wife was black. And what she did, she got a degree in Japanese. And she went on got a master's in marketing and what she did was market products over in japan from the u.s and a lot of her accounts had to do with the px and that's how she and i met and i thought it was pretty interesting and she told me one thing that was kind of cool she said what i didn't want to do was be one of these military wives with no skills totally dependent on him and tethered to him for the rest of my life. She said, I had to go out and get something so that I had a career. I had a retirement. And I was not going to be one of these women walking around looking for another man to be around a retirement account. This happens more often than you think. Because a lot of women will get stuck in the fog of following his career and wind up with nothing. And, but see, the thing is, ladies, the key is you got to go for what you can get for yourself without him first. This is the reason why your career choice, your education is far more important. That's the reason why parents are more tolerant with their daughters staying home longer. To educate themselves and prepare themselves for the world than they, for the world than they are with their sons. Most families want their son out there working at, thir- at 18. They want them out of the house. The daughter, they'll be a little bit more patient with her. You need to take that opportunity instead of having babies, getting your education and getting your career together. So when you step out of that house, you can make better choices in the men you select. And guess what? These women who do this, they're not the ones walking around talking about finding a high value man. The women who are talking about doing this are the women who didn't prepare. And now they're at a point where their lives are fucked up and they're looking for somebody to bail them out. That's the way it is. And I'm going to tell you, having good pussy is not a skill set that makes you stand out from any other woman. Give a good head. Doesn't do it either. So please keep that in mind. 'Cause some of you kind of forget that. Some of you write in about this. About how good you are in bed and oh I give my man a stripper dance and all this. What happens when you ask for arthritis and you can't do that no more? And then when he passes away, that insurance money's not gonna last forever. I met ladies that told me straight up I gotta get another man before the insurance money runs out woman's husband had died she had cast in the policy for 50 grand and she was trying to find a man before she had to go into that 50 grand she wanted to be taken care of and yes ladies there are women out there that want that and guess what there are men out there that look for that too won't find him here with me. That's one thing I require as a prerequisite. You got to have a career, have a job, or be retired. The last thing I want to deal with is a woman who feels as though she has to live off a man. Kind of the same thing that you guys don't want men to do, isn't it? You know, the problem for many women, there are a lot of you out there who are doing the right thing. Some of you may have had children when you didn't expect to have them and you really committed yourself and you're really busting your ass and you're doing a good job. You're being responsible parents and you're looking for a responsible man and that's hard to come by and you think that because you have a child, that that's a liability. What you have to remember, ladies, is this. If you fall into that category, what you've been avoiding have been men who were opportunists. You haven't really missed out. See, the guy that's going to observe you on the way you carry yourself, the way you interact with your kids, your parenting skills, your commitment, that's more than likely going to be the guy that you're going to wind up with. He's looking for the qualities. Not the quantity of a woman. Not how big her breast or her ass is. I don't date women that even talk about getting BBLs or breast augmentation. Have no interest. Because what I see is someone who's vain. And I always remind them, don't forget when they close that casket, and if they have to ever exhume your body, they're gonna have those two pieces of silicone right there. And all the fake shit you have, is still gonna be there deteriorating. Your body will be dust. But I look good while I'm alive, yeah? Sure enough. But it all depends on what you prioritize. i never forget one night, we were out at, were we? We were at, was it Glam? I think we were at Glam Slam at Princess Club. And we were sitting there, me and a friend of mine. And I had known her for about a year. At the time she had worked at Capitol Records. And we were just observing everything. And one of her friends came by and sat down. And they started to talk, you know, and I let them go on and talk about what they were doing. And then a friend of mine came in and she sat down by me and we started talking. Well, we really didn't carry on any much more of a conversation, me and the lady that was from Capitol at the time. And I talked to her about three weeks later. And I apologize for, you know, my friend coming in and kind of detracting away from our conversation. She was like, oh, no problem. She said, I should be apologizing to you for that. No, no big issue. And she told me, she said, well, that lady that sat by me, I've been knowing her for 20 years. I was like, damn, that means, because she was in her 30s. I said, that meant you knew around when you were 10. She said, yeah, and she's 10 years older than I am. And she has gone through man after man after man, and she wanted to know if I knew anybody that she could meet because she doesn't think she'll be able to take care of herself going forward. And I was joking, but I said she couldn't have been that bad off. She said, oh, yes, she is. She said she's worse off than that. Didn't know it at the time. The clothes that she had on, she had been wearing those same clothes for the last three days. Couldn't tell it. Looked clean. She lost her place, lost her car, everything. Because the man she was with quit paying the bills. took all the credit cards, left her with nothing. But she had enough to spruce herself up for that night. But you never know the condition of people. You never know what they've gone through. Only thing you know is what you see, not what you know. And that's one of the hardest judgments to make, navigating through this life because you're like, damn. And in many ways, you don't want to wind up like that person, but you don't want to condemn them either because you don't know what they've gone through, but you also want to avoid winding up in their shoes. One of the things that you should be very vigilant of in life, Make sure you look out for number one first. You don't have to be selfish. You don't have to be rude. You don't have to be one of these people that me first, I'm going to run over everybody. No. It starts by structuring a plan for yourself. Stick to that plan. Navigating around the obstacles that you may encounter that will take you off course. Keep your focus on where you're going. The one thing that you want to avoid. You want to avoid. Individuals. That aren't sure. About what they want. Or where they're going in life. If you run across somebody like that. uh, I wouldn't advise you to even think about. A long term relationship with them. Maybe have a casual high and buy. Because they could drag you off course into something that you totally are not interested in or don't want to get too involved with. That's one of the things I learned I had to do. I had to shed a lot of friends. I had to shed a lifestyle. I had to shed a lot of things in order to be at peace with myself and more marketable to the woman that I would like to have in my life. Because sometimes you get in your own way. Sometimes you'll have unnecessary shit that you don't need in your life. You're dragging it through and that includes friends, families, and folks. And sometimes it's not you that they're not really concerned about. They're concerned about the situation associated with you. In some cases, the people. And see, that's the way it has to be. Some of you ladies have girlfriends that are toxic. And you're wondering why men are not really attracted to you, are not around you, maybe you need to leave her ass at home. I know she's your girl. I know y'all have fun out partying. Same thing with you fellas. That buddy of yours that you're treating damn near like a girlfriend, every time you go out with your girl, you gotta take him out and pay him too, pay for him too? No. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. You don't want to get into that position.
2: It's unfair.
1: So in conclusion, what it comes down to folks It's something very simple. You know, just like you dress up to go to church on Sunday, just like you dress up to go to work, what you want to do is to clean up your life in a way so you'll be presentable to others. And sometimes it's going to take you to make some hard decisions. And you're going to realize that it's going to be for your best interest to do so. So you may have wondered why wonder why people don't associate with me or like me it has a lot to do with sometimes the things associated with you and have nothing to do with you at all and being that you've been so close to it it's been normalized but objectively someone else sees something different you're too close to the family where and I, when I, I don't mean separating you from your family but where it's a situation like Ladies, you go out and you have a date with a guy, and you're telling your mom or your sister, you know, how big his dick is and how it felt and all this other stuff. Some of you do this. Are you having a problem in a relationship of some sort? And before you know it, everybody knows about it but him. As men, we know not to talk about that shit with other men because that's an opportunity for that other man to take advantage of you. Because whatever that man tells him that's wrong with his woman, the guy is going to use that to get to his woman. And the locker room talk is bullshit. Men don't walk around talking about how they grabbed her by the vagina and all that shit. Those are wannabes. Gamma males do that. Nobody else does. Guys don't have to brag. Guys who are really sleeping with a lot of women, don't have to brag about it. They let the other people talk about it. Don't need to. They don't need a kudos. They don't need approval. They don't need affirmation. Why they don't need it is because that guy's opinion is irrelevant. See, the only people that have a relevant opinion to him are people that are talking about other things besides that. That's the way it goes. You Noise know, you hear in the background is a dog barking and me grabbing a banana out of my bag here. Trying to eat healthy, folks. It's kind of difficult. I ain't gonna lie to you. Sweets are my Achilles heel. But yeah, that's the way it goes, you know. And a lot of times we don't want to face the reality that some people hold us back. As we get older, we have to let friends go. Friends that are stunted in their social growth. People that would be too embarrassing to actually bring out to an event or even to meet friends. And I understand there are some of you that don't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater. I get it. And you have some people that said, well, I just don't associate with those people. I can't relate. They're full of shit. Those are the very same people that have issues going on and they try to deflect. Most people will have to use their coping skills to deal with people that they can't get along with well. You do it at work. You do it at church. You do it with friends. Denial is a river. reality is not so you've been warned just to help you but one thing I will tell you if you're complaining about the way you've been doing things all your life maybe you need to switch up and do something different it didn't take me long to learn that the reason being I didn't want to waste my time after seeing so many people wind up in bad relationships and staying in them. Languishing, hoping that person's going to change. I've seen them have other babies, thinking that was going to work getting married, thinking that was going to work to fix it.
3: Mm -mm.
1: Having affairs in order to see if they can get the attention of the other party. Moving out, to see if moving out would shock them into reality. Wanting to go and have lifestyle choice changes to see if they could arouse some interest. But they're missing out on the fundamental problem. A flaw in the relationship. And and many times, There is no fix for it. But they're hoping, magically, in some way, they can redeem the relationship. And sometimes you just can't. Some relationships don't warrant redemption. Oh, I hate to say that, but it's true. There are some relationships that you get involved with that it will cost you more to save it than it would for you to let it go. You know, a lot of the Republicans got upset with Biden and them when they were talking about pulling out of Afghanistan and leaving the Humvees there and leaving those Black Hawk helicopters there. Well, the reason why they did that was because it would cost them more actually to ship them back than for them to be destroyed and to buy new ones to replace them. So that's the distinction. So you have to look at what is feasible. And you have to break up from what you feel to what it is. There's a big difference, big distinction. A lot of people criticize me on this show about, oh, you're too serious. You're too analytical. You think too much. I've been told that. But then again, I look at those people and the way they have their lives. Every one of them that would say that, their lives would be fucked up more than mine would be. I wouldn't judge them on that. But I'd look at some of the choices they made, life choices. And they'd wonder why, in many cases, I wouldn't date them. Because what they thought was acceptable was unacceptable getting involved with a woman who's already married who doesn't want to get a divorce already has children that don't like her why should I get involved with that why should I get involved with a woman who's trying to decide whether or not to leave her husband after you've made that decision hmm. You see, the problem is people are afraid of losing something that they're benefiting from in order to venture into something new. And a lot of you will run across people like that. And that's the reason why I tell you, when I see it's complicated on a profile, swipe and left. You keep your complications to yourself. I don't need to get involved. Usually it's complicated means... I'm in a relationship, but I want to fuck right now somebody else, and then I want to go back to that mess that I live in. Fellas, don't get involved with it. The pussy may not be worth the risk. Because women won't quit having pussies. Trust me. So if you're just basing it on that primal instinct... You're in bad shape. Now, ladies, there are some of you get involved with your man in relationships and he wants to sleep with you a lot. And some of you sometimes mistaken his interest in having sex with you as exploitation, and it's not. That guy that genuinely wants to be with you and not treating you like a piece of ass but always wants to sleep with you and he's listening to you, caring about you, nurturing you that guy is into you and I know you're going to be sore down there because he's going to be weighing that pussy out but here's the thing as you go through that pain and that soreness you got to think about a couple of things you are the only place that he probably feels comfortable with his penis being in and his heart being around that's the reason why he's with you because he loves you now i want you to think about it some of you ladies can relate to this where your man is like tearing your pussy up you like no nah, we need a break cause like we've been having too much sex ladies let me tell you something you have been overdicked at that point and that's understandable but here's the thing be thankful he's doing it to you instead of going out doing it to someone else and then coming back because as men let me tell you something we don't complain when you're throwing that pussy on us and even if we don't feel like getting hard we get hard we still look at it if we're into you yeah I think has a home and we're happy with that and you will notice ladies those of you who are in successful relationships that are listening You know, you don't have to do shit. You don't have to change anything for your man to want to be with you. Nothing. You don't have to go out there and buy lingerie. None of that shit. If anything, you have to remind him when you're around company or when you're around other people. Baby, people are here. That's what a lot of women seek, ladies. And some of you don't realize how fortunate you are. There are a lot of ladies that can't get that from their men. they find it from other women. But here's the thing. When you can get that appeal from a man, your man, on a consistent basis, and you don't feel exploited, I remember my ex-wife in particular one time I'll never forget I shouldn't be telling this she was cooking dinner and the kids were doing their homework and I came into the kitchen gave her a kiss and she said you know after dinner we gonna fuck right? (laughs) and I'm like we are she said oh yeah she said oh yeah I'm like okay but here was the thing we were just like we had just met and we were married but it was never an issue she didn't have to do anything she didn't have to wear lingerie she didn't have to dress up she could just be her and ladies, that's what I'm talking about. When you just you, no makeup, you just you, and he's into you like that, hmm, you got it. You got it. You don't have to do shit. And I know you get tired of hearing your girlfriends complaining you can't relate to them because, factually, you're with a man who genuinely loves you. But the problem you have with a lot of your girlfriends, they're trying to make a man love them. They're trying to make it work. That's something that should work naturally. If you have given your percentage and he gave his percentage and you guys meet and that really clicks, what's the problem? You're gonna have conflict. You're gonna have disagreements. You're gonna have arguments. Those guys, that's expect, that comes with the territory. But the fundamental thing is you're considerate of each other. When my wife was horny, she would tell me, boom, no problem. When I dated women, they let me know, boom. Monica used to ask me all the time, uh, baby, uh, do you need any medicine? And I'm like, medicine? What the money? Well, she called a pussy medicine? And I'm like, well, I'll do it with a dose. She said, well, you need some medicine right now. And the reason why she used to call it medicine was because one night she said, because she was, honey, this one night, I mean, she was ready. And she told me straight up, she says, and she started closing the door, she opened up the window. And and I'm like, well, what are you doing all that? She said, oh, it's going to be some fucking in this house tonight. And I'm like, really? I'm like, who? (laughs) She said, no. She said, I'm going to give you this pussy like cough medicine tonight. I was like, damn. Yeah, I felt like a kid getting ready to get a whooping. (laughs) Shit, I didn't know what to expect. But it happens. When you find a partner that's into you, enjoy it. Those experiences that you probably may not have later on if you're still together because you'll be too old to fuck. So enjoy it while you can. Now, ladies, another thing about your body. If your man is into you, he doesn't give a shit. He's already seen you naked. He's already felt the ripples, the cankles, the stretch marks, like that don't get sidetracked by that shit enjoy the moment enjoy the moment and let me tell you something about guys who are into this physical thing with women about your shape and all the rest of this let me tell you something a lot of men don't have a problem with the way you're shaped like you ladies worried about body fat and all of that the reason being if that guy was the one that got you pregnant you had the children and he created those stretch marks by impregnating you that shit doesn't bother not one bit not one bit see A confident man does not have to own a woman. She's not his property. She doesn't have to be his property. He doesn't need to identify by owning her. Most men like a woman they can respect. What I mean by that is, that woman who's already got an identity and a name of her own, just like he does. because it makes him proud. It makes him feel accomplished. Like, hey, I made a good choice in a woman. She got her shit together. She got her career, she is a professional. She's confident. She'll correct a dude when he's out of line trying to t- holler at her. In other words, she has integrity. She has this trust. And here's the thing also he realizes. She knows the delegation of power in the relationship. She knows when she needs to go and come forward and lead and when she needs to lay back and let him do the same. She's not gonna put him in any kind of precarious situation where he's gonna have to worry about his livelihood. She's going to try her best to avoid exposing him to something like that. She's not going to emasculate him. She's not going to make him feel bad about shit. She's going to sit there and want to communicate with him and talk with him. Learn how he's feeling. Not ridicule him, but listen just like he's going to do with her. And convey an understanding. And to ask, what can I do on my part to help? Fellas, you need to ask her the same thing. If she's overwhelmed with the chores and stuff, and you're just coming home, sitting there, having a beer. Honey, let me help you with the dishes. Honey, let me help you with the kids. You're not losing your masculinity what you're doing is you're gaining her respect. The respect she's already given you, you're retaining it. That's what you do. But Monica, I used to always take off her clothes, got her to the bathroom, have the bath already ready for her, and I had to wash her down. And she's like, you know, I, I pay people to do this for me, so you don't have to do it. Like, no, that's okay. And Sometimes we'll get in the bath together. Or she didn't want to put me in the bath and scrub me down More than likely, she'd get back up with me. though. used usually the way it wound up, but it's about mutual consideration. I'm talking about the nonverbal cues, because what happens then? Your relationship begins to work a lot more smoothly. Half the time, you guys don't even have to talk to each other, and you already know what each other's thinking. In what direction things are going because you're becoming more considerate of each other. And with that consideration, oh, things do change in a positive way. Doubts and questions that you may have in the past, they go away. More affirmations prevail. That's the way it goes. I never forget. One time I was going to talk to this lady. I asked her her name, she told me her name. And I'm ready to go and try to leave my Mac on her back in the day. And she said, oh, let me stop you right here. She said, let me tell you, I'm in love with the man Call my husband. I said, oh damn, I didn't know you were married. You no, know, She said, no, it's not your fault. I'm not wearing my ring. She said, but I'm happily married. She said, the only reason why I'm not wearing my ring is because I gotta get precise. She says, but um I appreciate your effort. She said, but let me tell you about my man. You could never replace him. No man could. Could never come close to him. She talked about this dude like he was a damn superhero in a damn cartoon. She came to the club one night, and she introduced me to him. Real cool dude. And I said, man, your wife told me things about you. And he said, I know. He said, you know what? He said, if I had met you, and I was talking about my wife, he said, I'd say the same thing she said. And he told me straight up. He said, you probably tried to make a move on it. She told you no. I was like, damn. He was right. And he said, oh, my wife's a good judge of character. She wouldn't have brought me over here to meet you if she didn't think that you were a good person. I said, well, I don't know about all that shit. <laughs> I said, because I did try to sleep with your wife, but no, no, I was... <laughs> But well, he was laughing. And um, and I became friends for many years. Many years till he passed away. He invited me to play golf with him one day. I'll never forget it. I felt sorry for those sparrows. I know I hit about three of them by accident. Shit, it would have helped if I kept the ball on the golf course. But... I was definitely golf challenged golf was something I wasn't good at tennis is another thing I'm not good at but meeting her and seeing how respectful she was of her husband that impressed the hell out of me and I've met several women like that an undying respect loyalty integrity and discipline she could have gotten my number that night I could have gotten hers we could have gone to a hotel nope she wasn't going to ever let it go there and I appreciated that and I told her I said I wish more more women were like you who would tell me up front they're married because I'm telling you fellas the most fucked up thing in the world that married women do that cheat they tell you they're married after they gave you some pussy because they're thinking that the pussy is going to keep you coming back. Don't fall for it. Not worth it. There's some good women out there, guys. Ladies, there's some good men out there. If you're still attracting the same kind of humdrum hobo-ass people, maybe you need change things up. I know I had to. Even now, I'm in the process of changing things up because that's what you have to do. Because if you're attracting the wrong kind of person, you got to look at what's attracting them to you. Let me tell you what one of the draws are for people who do this they usually will leave it where most people think that they could fit into the situation. And that's where you gotta have those standards, but decent, reasonable standards. Not something that's like a fortress around you. I had to quit dating Piscean women seriously I didn't think it was a thing but I really literally had to because what I noticed was every woman who was fucked up that I really tried to date Pisces and I'm a Pisces male throughout my head they could never focus on anything they could never follow through and they would lie a lot Now, what am I supposed to do? Date every Pisces woman until I find the right one? Nope. Will I miss out on opportunities with a good one? Probably will. That's the standard I had to set. Or oh, we could be friends. But that's all we'll be until I date you and find, uh, as we're friends, until I find out that you're not the same as the others but do I have a confirmation bias? you damn straight I do and it's like prove me wrong I would never tell them that but I'd be looking for the characteristics to prove me wrong and if I didn't find them which I haven't found yet with a Pisces woman Aries, same thing except Aries women are very selfish from what my experience has been on. Now, I'm not into this Zodiac shit, but one thing that I do believe is that there are some characteristics that seem to correlate with the personality. I found Aries women are very selfish. They're not going to date long term. They're always looking for a better opportunity than you. I slack up on them. Well, I'm out, folks. Thanks for listening. All right, no boo in the in the corner. I'll be looking in the corner. No boo boo in the corner. but you looking at me for, lamb chop? What did you do? Paradigms, paradigms, men have age you. What's your little fatty? What's up, church lady? What's up, sister? Sister Paradise, what's up? What's up, Sister Paradise? That's what I'm saying. Let's be fair about it. Nah. Nah, no, I'm not getting mad at the messenger, but I'm explaining something out there because I'm there. I don't feel guilty for not calling.
3: As many of you as I've I don't know why you still have a phone
1: well that grandparents side, and our family died, what we're dealing with now is just a whole bunch of people that are have to be related to each other. When are you going to get that? There will be more than
3: that.
1: Because, see, I have no bond with anybody. Now. But I do have a bond with. Them. I call them every day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know. See, I think what it is, you, you have a lot of wishful bacon, make it them. That's not going to have no lying in it, that's not going to have no dairy in it. Yeah. Right, let's see, the thing is, You've been waiting so long to be in charge of something, and now that you're in charge of it, you realize you don't have nothing to be in charge of. <laughs> that's the problem. You're my cousin. I love you and all, and that's the problem. That's it. That's mm Mhm. Damn, this damn thing keeps falling. Yeah.
3: No, that's not gonna be solved anytime soon
1: generation, of the family, they, don't want to, they don't know anything about that. That's the problem. You're trying to make them learn something that they don't want to learn.
3: They give, them, they give them a friend's ass about
1: our grandparents because they weren't around
3: them. I don't understand If they cared
1: about the family history, they would have passed. They don't care and food and spoon feeding them all about the family. They can care less about that. If you don't have any money for them, <laughs> dude, if you're not gonna leave them in a life insurance policy, they have no use for you. That's the way the family is. I know it's not the way you want it to be, but you know what? Life isn't the way you want it to be, is it? I know. There's nothing you can do to change it. People are who they are. Mm-hmm. Well, half the family doesn't get along anyway, so I don't, I don't even know why you're trying to bring them together. Right. You got people in the family, dude, that don't like each other based on what their parents didn't like. And half the people that don't like the other ones never even... Understood why. Yeah, it's an ongoing legacy. Right, it doesn't cease. Mm-hmm. And you're burning yourself out, trying to make it work. These people have never look. Let's face it. When my mom was sick, what did Hazel and James try to do? They tried to come down and have her sign over the house to them. They wanted to get custody of me. That wasn't going to happen. Mm-mm. Nope. No. Hazel and James couldn't even take care of themselves. And after I found out he had raped Bernadette, I was done. There was nothing. There was absolutely nothing James could do for me. Yeah, because I wanted to knock. When I found that out, man, you don't know how mad I got. My Bernadette? My aunt? Now, now that's the reason why to this day, mm-mm. and I see why D didn't like Hazel because she stayed with him after it was done.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: It's been burned by a hot labor market and they're still hiring at a pretty steady clip. And as that happens, wages are going up pretty rapidly, which from the Fed's perspective, of course they love to see Americans taking a little bit more money, but at the same time, they're worried that it's a large and so they have to balance all of that strength and all of that sort of momentum. Washington is about to sort of, you know, just weigh up and a huge uncertainty with this development because it's not clear how that's going to be resolved, and it could really inject a lot of sort of volatility into markets. And so I think they've, been, you know real sort of balancing act ahead of them, and it's going to be a challenging
5: time. Right, okay, so speaking of balancing acts let's
4: talk a bit more about the central bank, because officials hiked
5: interest rates for the 10th time in just over a year this week. Have these increases
4: been beneficial for the economy, or are we barrel towards a recession? Right, so, it's a really complicated sort of dance that the Federal Reserve does here because when it raises interest rates, the explicit goal is to slow down the economy and to cool off the late market. And that seems counterintuitive for a lot of people because why would you want to cool down the economy? But the point here is to get inflation back under control. The idea is that if you slow down demand, supply will catch up, the rest of the economy will be able to sort of catch back up, and you'll get. Inflation that is more comfortable. Most people know that inflation's been really rapid lately. You've seen it at the grocery store, and you've seen it maybe at the babysitter, and you've seen it at the restaurants. And so, you know, the goal is to get that back under control so that we can have steady sort of sustainable growth going forward. It's not clear whether the Fed's plan's working out there yet. Inflation's been slowing down, but it hasn't come back to normal. You just saw that 5% on consumer prices. It used to be more like 2%. So we're still pretty elevated from where we'd like to be. I
5: mean, that's no small headline that, despite the Federal Reserve's efforts to raise interest rates, it hasn't seen the exact design. The That that needs me, Javier, what about you?
2: Do you expect that the rate hikes have ended based on what we know now? We'd like them to it and I people like me and Gina who sort of watch the
3: economy and are constantly, like, awaiting the
2: yeah. pivot, like, the waiting for Godot. Um, <laughs> and it, has, it, just, it just simply hasn't <laughs> happened because uh, inflation really continues to be elevated uh the federal reserve it should be noted as coming under political pressure um uh, there have been democrats in the house and along with some republicans uh that are saying this is not good for the economy they don't like the idea that the fed is deliberately trying to stamp down uh job creation uh and, you know if you think about it the fed has two mandates price stability and full employment and so there are mm-hmm. some who argue that in pursuit of one objective which is price stability really sacrificing the other, which is full employment. this idea that like at 3.4%, we're at or near a uh, 50 plus year low well, non knowing the unemployment rate, right. that's a really good thing. I mean, workers who want to find jobs and a lot of them are getting laid off now. Uh, this is a good thing, there's at least damn it's on 59 free. degrees One outside. So, uh, but at the same time, politicians who are uh, need to be reelected and they don't like to sort of get reelected uh, when people are jobless or uh, their money's tight, uh, this is a real political uh, issue for the Fed. And I'll say that, Ms. I say get real, I yeah, see I the IRL over
5: there. Um, well, I'll <laughs> yeah, you and Gina, you know, you've mentioned the, the concern in the regional banking sector of the economy. Bluebird now reporting the SEC is investigating the conduct of First Republic bank execs. Before the government seizure and sale to J.P. Morgan, how concerned should Americans be about the failure of this bank and other regional banks? Earlier, you earlier mentioning how important they are in <coughs> to construction and other kind of local economies.
4: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a really important question going forward and how much these banks are going to pull back when it comes to things like commercial real estate, small business lending, even things like mortgage lending. And you know, banks are a really important part of our broader economy. They're kind of like the grease on the wheels of the rest of the economy. If you don't have that lending happening, you're going to have a lot less consumption a lot less business expansion, a lot less hiring, and that's really gonna slow things down. And so that's likely combined with what we've just talked about, the Fed doing all of these interest rate increases to really sort of hit the brakes on economic growth. But at this stage, we're still trying to assess just how much it's not completely clear yet. It's obvious when you talk to banks, when you talk to people who are out in these communities, that it is slowing somewhat, you know, they will tell you, yeah, mortgages are harder to come by, commercial real estate is slowing down, but the, the question mark is Still, there as to just what the extent of
5: that is going to be. Javier, when it comes to the banks, I mean, what's next? Silicon Valley Bank, Signature Bank, now First Republic Bank have all failed this year, and we are less
2: than five full months into
5: 2023. Are more bank collapses on the
2: horizon? you. Yep. there could very well be, and I think that one of the things that we're trying to suss out is. Are there problems with the banks in terms of their balance sheets and what they have on the books and their operations, or are they kind of, for lack of a better term, victims of a speculative attack on their stocks? And I think this is what the White House is trying to do. They're they're inserting themselves into the markets. They're blaming a lot of people tend to blame short sellers and people that uh, basically bet against stocks. But I think what is happening here is we're getting this really vicious cycle where uh, the stock falls, the bank is sort of forced to address the movements in the market in ways that they haven't before. That. Paradoxically, leads investors to panic and think, oh, maybe there really is a problem, and the problem gets worse. So, what you know, and it's really bears mentioning that in a lot of the cases that we've seen, particularly with PacWest this week and Western Alliance, and some of them have been in trouble, Mm -hmm. none of them have actually come out and said, okay, we have, uh, unlike Silicon Valley, which had an issue with uh, interest rates and and their failure to hedge and some other really technical problems with some of the other banks who failed, they haven't actually come out and given bad news. But the market is just sort of Shot first, ask questions later, um and this puts the banks in a really bad position. And once these these movements in the market pick up speed, they're very difficult to sort of s- to test up And you have pointed out
5: that
2: social media is taking a absolutely role in this. Way. Yeah, and and we're seeing a lot of that impact play out, particularly with SVB. That was really a social. That was a Twitter-driven bank run. Uh, Where yeah, and all the VCs. And, and what had happened in S. In the instances of S.U.V. a lot of uh, the people who like, tweet a lot uh, basically drove people to pull their money out because they saw all of this bad and hanging around Twitter and it's like, Get your money out of SVP and everyone just did exactly what they said. All right, hang on. We need something positive here to end it on. i <laughs> <just laughs> <just for laughs> lining. Um, you,
5: know, you know, we did mention WHO announcing the end of the emergency aspect of the pandemic. It's now pandemic. Are we in a better place? This is for you both. Just quickly, are we in a better place economically now than we were?
4: three years ago. This is the strongest job market in a generation. You know, I think if you're looking for good news, that's easily it. Unemployment's at 3.4%, that's the lowest rate in more than 50 years. Participation rate, which is the number of people either working or looking for jobs, pick them to a really strong number, higher than it was before the pandemic this morning. And wage growth is pretty solid. So I mean, from a, from a job's perspective, this is a pretty solid moment. I think that's good news. Love
5: that, they you're wearing green, and the stock market is up today, so I'm gonna take it. No, I'm gonna Gina Smiling. Thank you both so much. Back to the come on Money Wash this week. The US is not alone in battling inflation. We'll take a look at the European Central Bank's recent interest rate hikes. First, we'll explain why the debate over raising this country's debt ceiling doesn't happen anywhere else in the world. You're gonna to want to see this. Just streaming me, CBS News. You can change
4: this later by
2: Right now at churches,
4: feast your taste
2: buds on our Texas Two Piece Feast. Starting at three forty-nine. You get two pieces of chicken, a whole Califango, and a sunny, honey bird biscuit. That's a little feast and a snack cost. Big time flavor at a homemade price. So come up and try the Texas Two Piece Feast before it's too late. Churches Texas Chicken, welcome to the great state of flavor.
5: Daniel Gallagher, convicted of murder in the second degree. And we understand you do have a statement you've prepared. My position, my accomplishments, next to that, you should have nothing.
3: And we're going to be ignored, Dan. I did not kill him. I'm going to prove it.
5: No! Military, when we go person to person, the US is the only country to have ah. historic inflation. That's right. In the uh, European Central Bank right. or right. ECB is raising right. interest rates of one quarter of a percentage point. It's now at three and a quarter percent. That's the highest in 15 years. But unlike the Federal Reserve, the ECB is confident there are more hikes to come. Joining us now is Brendan McKenna. He is an international economist at Wells Fargo. Welcome. So here in the U.S., the Fed says it may their remarks. Why does the European <coughs> Central Bank plan on continuing course? Right. Well, I think there's a few reasons for that. Uh, I think the first is that uh, the eurozone Europe has been broadly. Has a little bit more, more from the back of a problematic for inflation in the coming year. looking at core inflation in Europe, that's trying to to 6% on a year-over-year year basis. Right. That's really all over what core inflation has here in the United States. So, I think that's, that's one reason. And the other reason is I uh, think the Eurozone banking sector is a little bit uh, sounder and stronger and more resilient uh, than the banking sector here in the United States. So, I think that allows the ECB a little bit more room. Uh, to continue raising interest rates without uh, uh, putting some additional stress uh, on the local banking sector. So uh, I think that's probably more to see the more firm commitment to additional rate increases from the European Central Bank and the Federal Reserve.
3: It's
5: really interesting, Brandon, yeah. right, because here in the US dealing with the, the crisis this around regional banks and yeah. the lack of confidence in so many of them since both there have been uh, <laughs> things that have folded. Yeah. Um, the European Central Bank, though, no. covers about 20 nations that make up the Eurozone. Does that make it more challenging then for the U.S. to address
0: inflation while Europe's... We at Romantic Truth appreciate your listenership. Listeners, you're invited to stream and listen to Jawson's music on Apple Music, Amazon Music, Spotify, AudioMac, or Deezer. Type in J-A-U-S-A-N in the search for artists to follow and like modern instrumental music from his discography. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those solely of the host and are not condoned or endorsed by Romantic Truth, Anchor or any of its affiliates.
1: The advice given herein is the expressed opinion of the host and not to be used for legal, marital, or family, counseling, or for professional practice purposes. In the event for professional assistance, please contact the local licensed professional family counselor marriage counselor or social services professional in your region. If you need someone to talk to in regards to help, you may contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255, available 24 hours. All correspondences read on the show have been pre-screened and pre-approved by the submitter to be aired on the show.
0: Be advised that all of the background music of production not provided by Anchor is owned by James Adams and Jaws and One Music exclusively licensed for this Romantic Truth podcast under waiver.
5: Please understand that there were no people or animals hurt in the segments of this show including plants. All sound effects were improvised in the studio setting with props. We are an equal opportunity
1: employer with two Yorkie poodles and a rat terrier as the security detail.